Perspectives on Easter, a Tent and Thrive special. centurion serving in the occupying army in Judea. I had seen action in Carthage, Pontus, and Cappadocia, and I was appointed to this position because of bravery, loyalty, character, and prowess in battle. When called on to fight, I was on the front lines with my men. They trusted me. At the time that I first heard of Jesus, I was in my fourth year of service, commanding a platoon of troops which reported both to King Herod and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. We were tasked with keeping the peace and quelling any uprisings that might occur. And they did occur, more often than you might imagine. One day, while I was stationed in Capernaum, I received word that there was a man who was causing quite a stir among the people. They called him Jesus, and some were claiming that he was the Jewish Messiah. I didn't pay any attention to these rumors at first. I had seen plenty of self-proclaimed prophets and messiahs come and go, especially during my time in Judea. But something about this Jesus intrigued me. I decided to go see for myself what all the fuss was about. I arrived at the place where Jesus was speaking, and I have to admit, I was impressed. He spoke with a kind of authority I had never seen before. It wasn't the kind of authority that comes from wielding a sword or commanding an army. It was something deeper, something spiritual. As I listened to Jesus speak, I began to feel a sense of peace wash over me. It was as if all the tension and anger that had built up in me over the years just melted away. I didn't understand it at the time, but I was experiencing the presence of God. Sometime later, one of my servants, a man who had served me faithfully for almost 20 years, a man whom I loved, contracted an illness and became sick unto death. I had him examined by the finest physicians, and they all agreed that nothing could be done for him. Then I heard that Jesus was back in Capernaum, and so I sent leaders from the Jewish community asking him to come and heal my servant. Jesus didn't hesitate. He simply said, I will come and heal him word came to me that Jesus was on his way. I could hardly believe it. Here was this man who had no reason to help me, a member of the very army that was occupying his homeland, and yet he was willing to come and heal my servant. When he was still quite far from the house, I sent friends to tell him, Master, you don't have to go to all this trouble. I'm not that good a person. I'd be embarrassed for you to come to my house, even embarrassed to come to you in person. Just give the order and my servant will get well. I'm a man under orders. I also give orders. I tell one soldier, go and he goes, and another come and he comes. My, my servant do this and he does it. Just give the order and I know my servant will be delivered. Sometime after I dispatched the messengers and before they returned, my servant was able to get up from his bed for the first time in more than two weeks. Color had returned to his cheeks and vigor to his limbs. He was healed, and I knew that Jesus had done it. Later, I learned that 
Jesus had complimented me for my faith, but I had confidence in him that I could not explain. Two years later, I was stationed in Jerusalem. I remember that night in the Garden of Gethsemane like it was yesterday. It was dark and quiet, and we had orders to arrest a troublemaker, a man who was a threat to the peace and stability of the entire province. As we approached, I could see Jesus praying. I didn't realize who it was. I didn't realize that it was the same man I had heard speak, the same man who had healed my servant. The signal was that we would arrest the man who was kissed by our informant, a man named Judas. But when we moved in, one of Jesus' disciples drew a sword and attacked us, cutting off the ear of one of the high priest's servants. I drew my own sword and prepared for a fight. But then Jesus did something unexpected. He ordered his disciple to put down the sword, and then he reached out and healed the wounded man. I was stunned. Here was a man who could have fought back, who could have called on his followers to rise up against us, but instead he chose to heal and forgive. We took Jesus into custody and brought him before the authorities. He was tried before the Jewish leaders, before the Roman governor, before King Herod, and then back before the governor again. Each time the verdict was the same, guilty of blasphemy and sedition. I was tasked with maintaining order during these trials. I watched as Jesus was mocked, beaten, and humiliated. I watched as he was accused of crimes he did not commit. And I watched as he was sentenced to die on a cross. The soldiers in my command made a cruel sport of the situation. They mockingly dressed Jesus in a purple robe. They fashioned a painful crown of thorns and forced it on his head. They spat on him, hit him, ridiculed him. Yet, as Jesus hung there dying, he spoke words of forgiveness and love. He prayed for his enemies and asked God to forgive them. He even forgave the very men who were killing him. I had never seen anything like it. Here was a man who was being tortured to death, and yet he was filled with a kind of peace and love that I couldn't even begin to understand. As the hours passed, I watched as Jesus breathed his last and died. To confirm his death, I pierced his side with a spear. Out rushed blood mixed with water. I had seen this many times before. He was dead. And then something even stranger happened. The sky grew dark and there was an earthquake. It was as if the very earth was mourning the death of this man. And that is when it hit me. Jesus was no ordinary man. He was the son of God as he had claimed to be. And in his death, he had accomplished something that I could never have imagined. On the third day after the crucifixion, some of my soldiers were guarding the tomb where Jesus' body had been buried. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and there appeared before them an angel of the Lord. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. 
The guards were so afraid that they fainted. And these were no cowards. These were men who had fought bravely for me on many occasions. When they were fully revived, they entered the tomb and discovered that the body was missing. They sent word to me and also reported this to the chief priests. The chief priests and elders bribed several soldiers to spread a false report that the Savior's disciples had stolen his body under cover of darkness and made off with it. This upset me greatly. It made sense that Jesus was resurrected. It made sense that the grave could not hold a son of God. I told the governor that Jesus was indeed alive, but the soldiers refused to back me up. As they continued to insist that there had indeed been a resurrection, I was relieved of my command. And so I returned to Cappadocia, a province of the empire in Anatolia, where I was born. For a time, I stayed in Caesarea with my friend and former colleague in the military, Cornelius. However, I eventually made it home to my father's estate. This is where I am now, and I cannot be silent. Jesus is the Son of God. He himself bore my sins and yours in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live in righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Hallelujah.